Hello and welcome to another episode of Schloff Tactics, the movie podcast where we believe badder is better and aim to watch the video game viral diseases so that you don't have to. My name is Ash and I'm joined once again by Mark. Oh hi Mark. Hello. Have you seen any good films lately? Of course not. Have you played any good games lately? Yeah. Have you seen any good video game movies lately? <laughs> Definitely not. Of course not, because there aren't any, and that's what we're going to discuss today. Before we get into that, just want to mention the last episode we did. If you did miss it, uh, we did two movies that were rather on the insane side, uh, on the gory, drug fueled nightmare side. So if you missed that, go back and check it out. But today we're going to bring it a little bit more back to reality with these uh, these adaptations of video games that were Super Mario Brothers in 93 and Doom in 2005. So, first of all, we're going to talk about Super Mario Brothers The Movie, to give it its full title, from 1993. Now, I should mention me and Mark are both uh, lifelong gamers, particularly big fans of the Mario franchise, and, you know, we've played our fair share of Doom as well, so we can... Uh, we can let you know how these films compare to their uh, video game originals, if they compare at all. Uh, what were your first impressions of this film, Mark? Do you remember it from uh, when you were younger? Mm-hmm. I didn't actually watch it when I was a child. No, no. It's an odd it's... game to uh, an odd game to choose to adapt into a movie, isn't it? Really? Yeah. You can kind of tell that it was a painful process for them to make this film. Um, yes. Just ask any of the cast members and they'll tell you. Uh, It was a very difficult film to make and a very fantastical game to try and adapt. Super Mario Brothers is a great game because it's very fantasy-based. Apart from there being a plumber character, nothing about that game is based in our world or in our reality. So the fact they would choose to make a live-action film of this is an odd choice. But it was, at that time the best-selling video game in the world and had been you know, since the mid-80s and into into the early 90s. So that's, they thought, we can cash in on this, we can do something with this. So they managed to get um, quite an impressive cast together in this one, actually. they got Bob Hoskins, they got Dennis Hopper on board, who is very famous, very critically acclaimed actor, or at least was prior to the 90s. And uh, John Leguiziano, who, who would go on to do much better better things than this uh yeah all all the uh, talent in the world as far as the cast but um still a very uh, a very strange script that um apparently the directors wanted to be based uh, for kids and a lot of the producers wanted it to be an adult oriented film can't do both yeah and so they tried to do and this is kind of what went wrong here the film opens really uh you know, pleasingly with an 8-bit mario brothers theme tune this was promising. <laughs> so much promise. You thought, hang on, I know this music. Ah, yeah. oh, I love these games. Right, this is going to be good. Um, and you get this uh, also kind of the 16-bit prologue that explains that uh, in Brooklyn, specifically, 65 million years ago, when the dinosaurs roamed the Earth and meteorite came and, and hit the Earth, as we know, as we all remember, that happened, and wiped out the dinosaurs... Then we flash forward to 20 years ago, so this would have been 1973, Brooklyn, and a dinosaur egg is left on someone's doorstep. Now this giant dinosaur egg hatches, a baby, of course, not a dinosaur, (laughs) that would be stupid. Uh, A baby comes out of it, and also a a crystal comes out of it, and that's your little tease in the beginning of the 
perhaps uh, there's more than meets the eye to the dinosaurs being wiped out. Perhaps mm. it didn't go down as we as we are told. But we do then fast forward to the present day with Bob Hoskins and John Luigiano as Mario, Mario, and Luigi, Mario. <laughs> which they will clarify later in the film. But if you didn't know by now, they're called the Mario Brothers because their surname is Mario. They're, of course, plumbers in this film as they are in the games. Well, Luigi just sits around playing video games all day and that will rot your brain, as he points out. What are you doing playing those video games? (laughs) And we get introduced to our character, who in this film is called Daisy. You might remember her in the games as Peach. But for some reason, she's called Daisy. So I don't know whether that has something to do with uh, what the characters were called in the American versions of the games. Who knows? She's the archaeologist, lead archaeologist, and she's digging up these dinosaur bones. So again, heavy dinosaur theme coming in here. We are then introduced to two henchmen for this film called Iggy and Spike. Now in the games, those are the children of Bowser, aren't they? Yeah. But in this game, they're the cousins. Bowser, Cooper Cousins, as they say in the yeah. film. These, uh, one of these guys is actually played by a guy called Fisher Stevens, who uh, many people might remember as the guy who blacked up to play an Indian person in the short circuit. <laughs> Quite controversially, and would also one day appear in Lost. So I've got I've got my Lost reference in there early as well. <laughs> but these are the uh, the Cooper Cousins, and they they'll be the kind of goofy numbskull henchmen. Luigi, he runs into Peach just when they're doing their rounds and obviously he gets a, a massive crush on her. Daisy reveals that, yeah, the crystal I wear around my neck, it's all they found on me when I was found. I was found abandoned, so she is the baby that came out of the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. So there's more to, to Daisy than meets the eye. And uh, Luigi's pleased because he was also abandoned as a child. Well, he's not pleased about that, but he's pleased that they got something in common. Yeah. They were both abandoned. Um, what a great way to relate to them. Yeah, they're both abandoned. She is sort of part dinosaur, but no one knows it yet. What I'm quite pleased about here is that straight away we get Mario and Luigi end up going down a pipe. Yeah. They don't mess about straight away. <laughs> the Mario brothers are down a pipe. Unfortunately, it's not bright green, though. No, it's actually very poorly lit <laughs> and poorly visible. Too realistic for my yeah, life. Yeah, it was grime. Yeah, again, this is where the grimy um, realism comes into the film, which kind of drags it down any time it does pop up. Uh, they're running through the pipes. You start to get the revelation that there's actually a, a gateway to a parallel dimension down in the pipes. And this parallel dimension is actually the Mushroom Kingdom that you all know from the games. Except it's not Really, the Mushroom Kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's more like a Blade Runner, Los Angeles, okay. or The Fifth Element, or it's it's this kind of sci-fi flying car sort of sort of thing. So I don't really feel like the Mushroom Kingdom at all. It's here also that they reveal one of the central kind of things in the film, which I think is a great idea. In that, when the meteorite hit Earth that we thought wiped out the dinosaurs, it didn't actually wipe them out. It just created a separate dimension and that's where all the dinosaurs and the lizards have been living ever since Mm. we've been living in sort of the mammal dimension i thought it was a good idea like an ultimate of alternate history that meteorite actually created a split dimension where reptiles and dinosaurs actually have evolved in a similar way to us they've become humanoid and intelligent and so have we and now they want to come back into our dimension. To do that, they need the piece of meteorite that's hanging around Daisy's neck. We to put that back in the meteorite, and that will unify the two dimensions. And it's not really clear what will happen if that happens. It's just <laughs> that's what we need to get to, and that's what we're going to do. So 
Yeah, what did you think of this idea that there would be a kind of parallel dimension just for the dinosaurs? It was a very silly idea. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, just trying to tap into some kind of interesting sub-story that didn't really come off very well. This is maybe the person that worked on the script that had much bigger ideas than working on this film. Yeah. And thought, I know what we'll do. Parallel dimension, transdimensional travel, evolutionary theory. It's like, mate, this is a video game film. Yeah. Nobody wants that shit. Yeah, know? like they were like, oh, this is my moment to shine with some kind of sci-fi, like, <laughs> retro, sort of dystopian like, yeah. other universe. And then the rest of the production are like, yeah, but it's a family film and it has to be light-hearted yeah. and stuff. It just doesn't really come off that well for that reason, basically. And there is that kind of visual conflict straight away when uh, the Mario Brothers and, and Daisy are pulled through to this alternate kingdom. It is a dystopian sci-fi city, as you say, but then straight away there's like neon signs for Thwomp, Bullet Bills, Vote for Cooper. <laughs> there, there was a cinema that was showing a film called I Was a Teenage Mammal. <laughs> and if you notice that, uh, yeah, so that's your first glimpse as well that they're actually aware of mammals existing somewhere and that they, they think we're silly and they ridicule us. You get your very first glimpse at Maybe the most iconic thing and the silliest thing about this film is the Goombas. Oh, you see a one, you see your first Goomba just looming out the shadows, and if nobody had told you in the film that it was a Goomba, you would have no idea. Because no. you look at the characters in the games, you look at these things, no similarity at all. It's this enormous torso with this tiny pea head on the top. And I've, I don't know what the thinking was here. How does this look like the Goombas in the video game? It couldn't be any less like them because Goombas <laughs> in the video games are a fat head with no body. Whereas yeah. these are like all body and then a tiny head. <laughs> it's just gone the absolute opposite. Yeah, <laughs> it's very weird. I mean, again, I think they thought if they made something that looked too much like what was in the game, that would look stupid, but it didn't do any better with what they made here. We do get Cooper here a bit more, played by Dennis Hopper. He explains you know, the dino dimension and the uh, the mammal dimension. We then introduced to um, Toad. You, you remember the character Toad from the video games? He's a literal mushroom, yeah? <laughs> Not in this film. <laughs> a, a busker kind of musician guy with a weird spiral haircut. <laughs> Cho thought was pretty cool. I think I wanted my hair like this when I was a kid. Um, along with the Mario Brothers, they all get taken off to jail. And this is where they get booked. And uh, so, what are you guys called? Well, we're the Mario Brothers. So, what's your name? Mario, Mario. What's your name? Luigi, Mario. So, how many Marios? Three. <laughs> <laughs> Mario, Mario, and Luigi. Yeah. yeah, all the Marios. This is this quite a funny like gag and nod to the games where everyone was like. Like, surely they can't. Surely you can't be called Mario now. He <laughs> can, and he is. Yeah. yeah. And he turns Toad into a Goomba. Yeah, the de-evolution process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is why Goombas look like they are, because they've been devolved back into some sort of reptile. There's a little sort of um, science lab here where people are turned into Goombas. Something I noticed that we're on this stage, and I couldn't stop noticing, is that whenever you see Dennis Hopper kind of just walking about, not necessarily speaking. He's holding his arms up to near his chest because he's evolved from a T-Rex and it's very subtle. But you'll see him walking around with his with his arms just sort of like Mr. Burns-esque, yeah. like a T-Rex. I yeah. noticed that. I think it's because I was watching his hair the whole time. That's <laughs> It's the most subtle thing he does in the entire film. This is not a subtle performance from Dennis Hopper. No. 
His hair is, is amazing. Yeah, I don't know how to describe that for listeners. It's sort of like cornrows, but he hasn't quite committed to the cornrows. It's just somehow uh, rows of blonde hair going back, and this is a, this is dinosaur hair, apparently. Meant to be Bowser's furious hair. I guess, yeah. I actually noticed as well, when they're turning people into Goombas here, they have a big dial on the machine, and you can go... You can either turn them to, right now, Cretaceous, Jurassic... Or primordial. <laughs> and this is when we get one of the first um, instances of Dennis Hopper just screaming maniacally, Oh, cool, that plumber! <laughs> just, he's ridiculous. This is a scenery cheering performance from Dennis Hopper. Not not his first, not his last. There's a bit of a prison break here. The Mario Brothers get out of the prison. We see a bob-omb for the first time. Indeed. Which... Uh, Actually, probably the only thing that's survived from the games to the films in pretty much the same... Yeah, it looks the look. same. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly the same, perhaps a bit smaller, but the gag here is that they're, they're tiny, they're like the size of a snooker ball, Yeah, but they're actually... People are terrified. If they see them down the, down the end of the road, they'll run, because yeah. this is how powerful this, this little bomb is meant to be. <laughs> the Mario Brothers escape from the prison. I don't know if you noticed this, they escape in a Motorola police car. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I didn't know Motorola made police cars, but they do in Dino Hatton. Yeah, Motorola. Not the first instance of uh, product placement in this film is rife. There's a bit of evolution when um, Spike and Iggy, because they, they keep fucking up as henchmen, they get put in the machine as well, and he actually sets the dial to evolve them more. Yeah. And they come out really intelligent, really smart. Just by using, like more intelligent language and stuff. Yeah. Vocabulary goes up. Yeah. Not sure about the rest, but yeah, they're no longer mindless henchmen and that will come come back to bite Cooper on the ass. But uh, yeah, they're now in semi intelligent henchmen and they're sent out to, to apprehend the Mario Brothers and, and get the crystal. A little throwback to um sort of Mario Brothers three here and we do end up in a desert world quite briefly. Yeah. But this is a recogn- sort of a recognisable area from one of the games, you know, at least more so than the Dino Hatton. Uh, so yeah, they're now intelligent enough to cooperate with Mario Brothers and maybe bring down Cooper who's been just using them the whole time. Uh, we're introduced also to uh, one of the characters from the games, Yoshi, appears here. Quite a small role for him. He's um, looks like an extra from Jurassic Park here. He's just a, an animatronic very small velociraptor type puppet. Along the way I was getting little hints of Jurassic Park but this is where I really started to think hang on what's happening here because I don't know if you know this this film came out one week before Jurassic Park the first Jurassic Park I knew it was the same year but throughout this film you get the sense that they knew Jurassic Park was going to be huge, which it was, and that everybody would be into dinosaurs. And I get the funny feeling they either were tipped off that, you know, Steven Spielberg is making the dinosaur movie, it's going to be huge, or maybe they had, I don't know, people working on that set were saying, this is actually going to be amazing. I think the makers of this film had a a real hunch that Jurassic Park was going to be the biggest thing ever, and everybody was going to be into dinosaurs. And I think they maybe amplified certain elements of this film to do with the dinosaurs. Yeah. And I think Yoshi is one of those examples. So, Yoshi is kind of a royal pet to Princess Daisy while she's being kept prisoner. And um, she also finds out that the reason why she's a princess is because her dad was the king 
of the Mushroom Kingdom is the guy that is now fungus hanging from the rafters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then she's <laughs> led into a chamber where um, she can communicate now with what's left of her father. And this is basically uh, a sweaty bollock <laughs> that hangs down from a tube. Doesn't speak, doesn't groan, doesn't do anything. She's just talking to like a slimy, massive bollock on the ceiling. The budget ran out here all of a sudden. <laughs> I, this is this is weird. We actually finally, uh, about maybe an hour and an hourish into the film, finally get Mario and Luigi wearing red and green. Yes. They held off on this ridiculously long. They they even put them in opposite colours just to fuck with you. <laughs> there were many times where Luigi was wearing red. And then even when they go to the club, Luigi's wearing red, but Mario's wearing yellow. It's like, for yeah. fuck's sake, like, can you just dress them in red and green? finally did it. Yeah, the, fir- the first wrestling reference on this episode, Mario says, oh, I, I promised to take her to WrestleMania, <laughs> referring to his, his girlfriend who's now been brought into this dimension as well. So there you go, Mario likes to go to WrestleMania. What a dream crossover <laughs> for fans of, of Nintendo and, and WWE. Mario fights King Cooper in a prolonged sort of battle where Cooper is sort of... He's sort of standing in a... Um, like an upside-down bell that's hanging from chains where he can just shoot his his um, bazooka, which is actually a Nintendo Super Scope, yes. uh, which has been spray-painted. So that, yeah. that's, a, that's, again, something that relates to the game. <laughs> just sneaking its way into the film. Well, most um, people wouldn't... No, most people it. wouldn't clock that. But <laughs> there's, again, just Dennis Hopper going stupidly over the top. Plumber, I'll get you, Plumber. Come over here. Just yeah, being being a right dick. He just you could tell he didn't want to be in this film, and he was gonna he was gonna do his worst, yeah. which is what he was doing. Um, there's a very very brief moment where um, where the dimensions do merge, and the plumbers are transported back to Brooklyn, to New York, mm-hmm. and so is Cooper. And as they come through to the other side, the only catastrophic thing that seems to happen is some buildings in New York become almost affected and almost start crumbling. Did you notice what those buildings were? Yeah, they were the Twin Towers. Oh yes, the <laughs> Twin Towers, unfortunately. That was a very awkward moment during this film. Pretty awkward now, yeah. I'm horribly um, dated, that, that moment. There's all these kind of ropey disintegration effects. There's a lot of stuff happening here at the end. Cooper gets teleported back to his own dimension, the bomb finally explodes, yeah. it's been going on for ages, right before it explodes, we think a close-up from underneath of its feet, yeah. and it says Reebok, <laughs> on the feet of a bomb. <laughs> fucking ludicrous product placement, <laughs> yeah, do you, do you want to wear shoes that will make you explode, <laughs> go for Reebok, <laughs> Cooper starts to devolve back into a T-Rex. There's more terrible effects of him just turning into this toothy kind of puppet. Uh, he eventually turns into um, this sort of primordial sludge. The fungus bollock turns back into a human. Yeah. Blink and you'll miss it, but the guy that plays this king for all of five seconds mm, on screen sure, yeah. is Lance Henriksen from Aliens, from Near Dark, from Hard Target an industry legend yeah. appeared in this film for five seconds god knows why afterwards he was glad nobody would have recognised him <laughs> Yoshi does this hilarious little wave with all three of his claws 
which has to be seen to be to be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. The Mario Brothers come back to Brooklyn, of course, and what do you know, Daisy won't come back, because you know I belong here in the Mushroom Kingdom, these are my people, and I need mm-hmm. to help them, because I'm the princess, in a very cliched way. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't want to come back. All the dino hand people start mm-hmm. celebrating and like rolling over like the old Cooper oh, like, yeah. billboards and stuff by getting rid of these. Now, did you notice another weird premonition, other than them trying to destroy the Twin Towers? In this film, I noticed a real weird similarity between King Cooper and Donald Trump. <laughs> like, obviously Donald Trump existed at this point and he was quite famous at this point, yeah. so it's not... It's not impossible that they might have modelled this guy on, you know, the businessman Donald Trump at that time. But he actually quite resembles the president Donald Trump as well. I didn't really think about it when I was watching it. But... Similar look, similar mm-hmm. way of talking. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, you know, weird, weird um, prescience of this film in some ways. I don't know whether Donald Trump is part dinosaur. Obviously the royal family are, but <laughs> whether Donald Trump is, I don't know. So, yeah, Paul Luigi has to come back to Brooklyn and he's missing Daisy. He's just back playing the video games all day again, wasting his life playing video games like a loser. Like all the people watching this film are fucking losers for watching this film. (laughs) And then Daisy kicks down the door and she comes back. And she's like, I need your help, guys. Until the sequel. (laughs) There's no sequel, sorry. (laughs) So there you go. That's Super Mario Brothers. It ends with a a lovely song by Roxette, More Walk the Dinosaur. And then there's a little uh, post-credit sequence. Did you see this? Oh, yeah, with the cousins. Yeah, the Cooper cousins are also back in in real-life Brooklyn. And some Japanese uh, games developers say, we'd like to make a video game out of you. (laughs) We'll call it the Cooper Cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Super Cooper Cousins. Super Cooper Cousins, yeah. Silly. And this whole thing was narrated by Dan Castellaneta, voice of Homer Simpson. Yeah. I noticed. So there it is, Super Mario Brothers, the movie. What did you think of this overall? Uh, <laughs> it was kind of campy, fun in places, but also pretty drawn out. Um, some nice nods to the game, but it is obviously a pretty shit film. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're talking about it. But I think so. It was, uh, it was fun. Yeah, I think everybody involved in this film deeply regrets it, if you even look it up slightly. <laughs> yeah. um, husband and wife directing team, they're f- thoroughly ashamed of it. According to them, they wanted to make it a realistic, gritty film, which also wouldn't have worked. Actually, Bob Hoskins and Dennis Hopper both said they only did it because their kids liked to play the Mario games. Yeah. And then realised halfway through, oh my god, what a piece of shit this is. <laughs> and I, I think Bob Hoskins does his best, even though he hated it. I think actually the worst thing about this film is Dennis Hopper. Even though I quite like the character, his performance and his dialogue, the way he performs it, I think is just like sabotage. I think he didn't want to be in this film, he wasn't. He was going to do a shit job despite it. You know? <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. And he would, he would also be in Waterworld around this time as well, and a similarly shit film that I love, where he again does a really shit over the top pantomime performance. And, uh, Dennis Hopper was having a mare in the early nineties. He just couldn't. <laughs> he just couldn't get on track and couldn't give a straight performance for the life of him after his kind of big successes in the seventies and eighties. But yeah, I think this is just far too fantastical a game to make any kind of serious live action. Actors that got asked to do it and turned it down, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> asked to be King Cooper, I believe. There's a long list of people who are allegedly attached <laughs> to this film, if you believe IMDb. How much, how much truth do you I mean? don't know. Cheech Marin was supposed to play 
Mario <laughs> from Cheech and Chong. I can't imagine that to be true. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be a family-friendly film. You're going to have Cheech as Mario. Mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be King Cooper. He probably would have been better, but... You see what else he was doing in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is the same year as Last Action Hero. I won't, I won't have that. <laughs> yeah, there's loads of stuff on IMDb. Look up all the trivia here. There's just lots of backstory to this film. But it made for a, a fairly poor and misjudged adaptation. Uh, it's got a lot of nostalgia uh, appeal for me and for, for a lot of people. But if you take off those rose-tinted glasses, you will see a fucking terrible film. <laughs> okay, so the next film that we're going to talk about is... Uh, Doom from 2005, based on the equally as, as popular and successful uh, game franchise from the sort of mid 90s onwards. Yeah. Doom, for anyone that doesn't know, is where you get you are a marine on the surface of Mars, where a portal to hell has been opened and you're blasting the shit out of demons. And yeah, it's not a kid's game. This is uh, a film in 2005, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. This is our second big wrestling reference of this yeah. episode. Not just a reference. This is a wrestler. This is one of the most popular wrestlers of all time who in 2005 had left WWE at the height of his uh, fame and popularity and struck out on his own to start an acting career, much like Hulk Hogan before him and other wrestlers with less success. But um, a couple of years ago, The Rock was actually um, the highest paid actor in the world. Wow. So around 2015, 2016... Not the case in 2005, he was <laughs> he was happy to get what he could. Yeah. And bear in mind, this is only a couple of years removed from uh, The Mummy Returns and The Scorpion King. Yeah. Two awful films. Fast forwarding quite a bit here to 2026. So the last film started 65 million years ago. This film starts <laughs> not too far in the future. Get a bit of a prologue here where some of the scientists on Mars are sort of running around corridors panicking like you would expect in the games we get one of these i love these in films one of these really unnecessary cgi logos of the film oh, yeah. where it starts like super close up and it looks like you're looking at a skyscraper and it zooms out 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 oh, doom <laughs> it's the name of the film doom right okay here we go um the rock is uh a sergeant here of, uh, of a marine squad and he's sitting at his desk and he gets a call from his superiors which essentially says get your ass to Mars <laughs> in not so many words I mean it didn't take long here for you to realise this film is almost a carbon copy of both Predator and Aliens yeah you could see that immediately this was so the Aliens straight off the bat yeah. like all the tunnels like all the setting and everything the Marines the, Marines, the Colonial the, Marines you may as well call them the guns Marines. and the gear yeah yeah, yeah. Bit, of, bit of both like in equal measures here but all the Marines are hanging around in their, in their quarters and talking about winning the shank and <laughs> what they're going to do on their leave but the rock bus instead of actually leave is cancelled because <laughs> we're going to Mars <laughs> Just no character development compared to Aliens. A couple of characters introduced all in one whack here. Yeah. One of them I actually did like straight away. Uh, it's a character called Portman. Um, he had the sort of scraggly blonde hair and he was talking about how he was going to oh, yeah. have sex with lady boys and stuff <laughs> like that. And he was like a bit of a sleazy comedy character. Actually, one of the better performances in the film is an actor called Richard Brake, who in recent years has sort of found a bit more success in some of Rob Zombie's shoddy horror films but the dialogue was just so generic yeah, yeah super ge- it was either throughout the dialogue was either super generic 
or an exact line from Aliens, <laughs> which, or Predator, which I'll point out. We do get a proper actor in this film as well, in the shape of Carl Urban, who has um, gone on to do much better films than this, and has done, you know, he is better than Boom, to be fair, but he plays a character called Reaper. The Rock tells him, you know, I want you to stay here, you enjoy your leave, we're going to go up to Mars. They keep mentioning they're going to go through the Ark, and we discover that the Ark is basically a, another name for Portal to Mars, Again, same as Mario Brothers. There's a trans-dimensional yeah. portal. Very similar effects as well, even though there's 12 years between them. Their squad is called the RRTS Hellfighters. We get, again, another carbon copy scene from Predator where they're all loading into the helicopter. It even has some red lighting like you get at the beginning of Predator. You, you need Jesse Ventura there to talk about being a sexual tyrannosaur and then it would be complete, you know. But it's basically that scene, exactly. And then... Um, the Rock says to Carl Urban, you know, why don't you want to go up there? You know, is she up there? Is she up there? And this is his, his sister. And he says, well, I guess I've got to face my demons sometime. <laughs> Carl Urban had some of the most shocking one-liners in this whole film, yeah. which I'm sure we'll, we'll detail in. But um, there's quite a cool sort of um, shot of them all standing in a V formation with the Rock at the front, which I thought was actually pretty technically good, good shot. And they all get into a, a, a lift together, and the lift goes down! As if to suggest they're going down to hell. Do you see? But they're actually just going down to a laboratory. (laughs) Dexter Fletcher playing a character who who, people might know from uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and that sort of thing. He's a a cockney geezer, but not in this film. He's uh, an American guy who's sort of half half a body. He's sort of a torso stuck on a stick on a wheelchair. It's like a wheelchair of the future. Um, He's sort of the wisecracking reconnaissance guy who's going to stay at the computer and talk to them in their headsets because, of course, they've all got cameras on the sides of their heads, like in Aliens. You you remember that in Aliens. And then we do get introduced to uh, Reaper's sister, Samantha Grimm. And this is played by an actress called Rosamund Pike. Uh, Rosamund Pike just coming off Die Another Day a couple of years previously so that's the second Die Another Day alumni that we've had in the in the short history of our, our show a legendary bad film that has spawned many bad actors to go off and, and do other shit films and this seems a link between Super Mario Bros. and Doom because we have two female archaeologists Oh, in each film. I didn't notice that. Daisy and now this one. Wow. They're both archaeologists. Transdimensional portals linked to archaeology. <laughs> should probably have warned <laughs> people work. before we start recapping this. It's quite tough to recap because there's no plot. No. <laughs> there's the barest thread of a plot. So yeah. our, our recap is going to be pretty all over the place because the film is. None of the dialogue is about any plot. All of no. the dialogue is just cheesy lines. It's just one-liners and yeah. let's go and shoot this thing in here, let's go and shoot this thing in here. You know, yeah. it's, um, it's very much in the tradition of, of Schwarzenegger films and stuff, but I even think some of those were cleverer than this. <laughs> like, certainly Aliens is, is cleverer than this. We get, we get a couple of cool nods to the game here. We get like a bit of a, a world map comes up on the screen on the computer and they're like okay genetics lab prison we're gonna go here we're gonna go here we're gonna go here so this is kind of a cool video game dynamic we get our first hint that the bfg is going to be in this film which yeah. on the computer display is described as a bio force gun yeah. but they they will refer to it in its proper name later in the film again this scene with this this chemistry with with um, reaper and his sister is awful they just 
they're just both wooden. They both got these one liners, and it's 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 painful. There's no sibling relationship. No, there, no. we still don't know why they don't like each other. Yeah. He's like, why did you come to Mars? She's like, you want to know why I came to Mars? Look at this data on this stick. And, oh, <laughs> and then he says, well, my molecular genetics is a bit rusty. Like, oh, fucking hell! I can't wait for these people to die. <laughs> And then, yeah, there's this uh, character, Dr. Carmack, it was referred to. He's the guy at the beginning. He's kind of our main scientist. We should mention that the, the Marines here have actually been sent to track down these scientists and bring back any property and neutralise the area. That's their mission. I wouldn't say it's the plot, <laughs> but it's their mission, which The Rock constantly reminds everybody. That's what we're here to do, remember? We track down the scientists, we get the data, the property... Much like in Aliens, they're meant to bring back what they find. So they find this um, Dr. Carmack. He's gone a bit feral. Um, he pulls his own ear off for some reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's unexplained. He's just gone a bit mad and he pulls his own ear off. <laughs> we get this um, this character called Goat. There's no explanation for any of these people's names. One of them's called Destroyer. One of them's called Goat Reaper. All kinds of shit. Portman, just a normal name in the middle there. Uh, this character, Goat, we find out is deeply religious. <laughs> it's a funny bit where he accidentally kicks a big canister. <laughs> it slowly goes down the stairs. <laughs> it falls down the stairs. Uh, for an action film, this is the slowest descent that's not in slow motion of a canister. Just dung, dung, dung. And he's like, oh, damn. He goes, God damn it. Yeah. And you, know, you just forget about it. And then <laughs> and then he starts cutting a cross into his arm. And his partner looks around and says, like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, I took the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> so he has to cut himself to atone for it. There's some funny shit. There's a rookie in this squad. He's a bit green. You know, he's like a young guy in Vietnam. You know, he's, he's, he's seen some shit and he's, he's getting the shakes. Like, so Portman gives him some drugs. And then they shoot a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> So I think it's Destroyer, the big black guy with the minigun, who climbs up into an air duct, and then you think, oh, okay, this is going to be a monster, this is going to be like a xenomorph, it's a fucking monkey. And he falls down, and he says, it's a monkey. Long pause. Some kind of monkey. <laughs> yes, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. Laugh out loud. I just wanted one of them to say, what kind of monkey? <laughs> so yeah, some kind of monkey... There's a rip-off of Aliens where they're all um, skulking through some watery corridor bits. And there's a bit where Portman falls over. <laughs> Maybe the funniest thing in the film. I fell in the damn hole! <laughs> he said, what happened? I fell in the damn hole! <laughs> and he draws it out. And the rookie is sort of shadowing Reaper at this point And, you know, sort of pairing off. The rookie won't stop talking. And he turns around and looks at him and goes, are you high? <laughs> yeah. I just came out of nowhere. He's just like, this guy's talking a lot. Are you on drugs? So, yeah, but you know, why can't we just have a chat, you know? You know I think he says, Were your parents killed? My parents were killed too. Another another connection to Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Bonding over abandonment and missing parents. So many parallels that we didn't know would happen. <laughs> and we finally, in this watery, sewery bit, we got our first glimpse of an actual demon yeah an actual monster it looks like absolute shit it looks like a guy wearing loads of shit from the toilet <laughs> this is not anything i recognize from the games no. i respect them for going for practical effect 
because this was around the time that a lot of films, and we've mentioned them, Scorpion King, Catwoman, a lot of films were going, CGI, great, we can do anything now. I think this is maybe the the slight backlash to CGI around the mid-2000s where people had seen stuff like Catwoman and gone, oh, wow, that's fucking terrible. Yeah. Maybe we'll go back to practical, and they did in this, but it's still bloody awful. Yeah. And although there's mention of a few monsters in this, there's really only one on screen at any time. So whatever cheapo practical turd monster effects they have, they can only afford one version of that. Yeah. The rest of the monsters in this film are merely zombie versions of the characters. People that have got a slight bit of psoriasis on their hand, yeah. you know, and a bit of a fan yeah. in their mouth. Um, this shit demon... I mean, there, there is a monster in Doom called the Caco Demon, but it's taking this a bit too literally. Uh-huh. Goat sadly gets killed by the shit demon. They try to defibrillate him, but doesn't work. Yeah, they defibrillate him, they try to stab him with some adrenaline, but nothing works, so he, he's gone. So Reaper's just walking around, he looks out the window and he can hear himself as a kid, and he can hear his sister as a kid, and it's this sort of like lucid flashback that you seem to only get in films where there's some sort of outer space madness. Yeah. He has one of these flashbacks. Again, I didn't I didn't really feel that answered any of the questions as to his childhood and why he doesn't get on with his sister. No. I don't know whether I just was too dumb to interpret this or whether it just didn't, didn't actually explain anything anyway. Like. If, if you were too dumb for this film, I, I would let you know. <laughs> that, that would be sad indeed. Like This was the only bit of backstory and vague attempt at character development. Well, what's happened to this Reaper guy and his sister? Oh, they must have had something terrible happen. Still don't know. Go into it, right? Nah, just, just a little hint. Yeah. Goat comes back to life as a zombie, as you'd expect. I uh, don't know if you noticed this this scene, but I, I thought our, our Netflix was skipping because this guy banged his head on the window. Rosamund Pike goes, ah! bangs his head on the window again. She yeah. goes, ah! <laughs> this happens about five times. And then he falls over and sort of smears himself up against the glass. Was like, she did, what's he doing? She did the same unconvincing yelp about five times. I thought maybe this was like multiple takes that they've just been left in by accident. Yeah. The rock previously in the film, there's a there's a room that he can't get into because it requires a handprint. He puts his own hand in there and says, "Access denied." Sorry, Sarge. How dare you? You know, he's outraged. So he eventually grabs the, um, the severed arm. That from the beginning of the film, and he puts that in the hand scanner, and it opens up a room. And this is this is quite memorable from the game. I thought they did a good job with this. Is the BFG there inside on a little floating podium, yeah. a little anti gravity podium, really yeah. straight from the game? <laughs> yeah, the film's starting to get good at like an hour and ten. You know? mm-hmm. And he says, "Big fucking gun." <laughs> so there you go. You thought this was going to be a PG film? <laughs> no, but weirdly, they save a lot of their swear words for the last third of the film yeah they seem to avoid using the word fuck all throughout and not having too much violence and in the last act of the film it's fuck this fuck that and decapitation murder. Yeah. murder like yeah. people being disemboweled decapitated you know maybe they were hoping that like the BBFC wouldn't watch it to the end <laughs> and they'd just get away with loads of stuff but he's got the big fucking gun and he starts using it just blasting these massive like neon blue holes and stuff. I was like, oh, this is quite good, actually. I yeah, quite like this, yeah. They discover that, actually, you know, these demons aren't coming out of nowhere. These scientists have contracted this weird mutation virus that has turned them into the, to the demons. I was kind of disappointed with, really. Why not have that portal to hell like you have in the games? Yeah. Why has it got to be like a zombie virus thing? 
kind of bothered me. The Rock, he storms in and um, there's this demon trapped in one of the walls. It's like a see-through wall and you press a button and it becomes a firm wall. So he's like half in, half out. And we discover because of his missing ear, this is Professor Cormac. She's like, you know, um, it could be reversible. And the Rock says, no, it's not reversible. And she says, well, no, it might be. It might be reversible. And then he says, it's irreversible because Dr. Cormac's condition is that he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he shoots him through the head and then states that I'm afraid his condition is that he's dead. (laughs) It's not really a condition. Um, (laughs) If it is, it's, yeah, he's right. Uh It is irreversible. Yeah. Although in this one they come back to life, so maybe not. That's just a screamer of a line. Yeah. And they must have known this would be funny. There's yeah. no way this can be serious. No. His condition is irreversible, because his condition is, he's dead. <laughs> They're all evacuating. Oh, shit's all kicking off. Demon people are getting killed. They want to get the hell out of there. Carl Urban like, rushes into this room and says to, to Samantha, like, we've got to go now. We've got to go one minute. She's like, no, let me just explain something to you first. He's like, we've only got one minute. She's like... <laughs> Well, then this will take ten seconds. (laughs) So, this is, what, 20 minutes to go in the film? It's at this point that they pack in, it's about two minutes of the most convoluted exposition to explain the whole film away. They save this till now, when they're all kicking off, all the action is going on. We're like, yeah, let's go, let's shoot some shit. She's like, hang on. Let me take a minute and explain to you the science that I think is happening. (laughs) This should have happened ages ago in the film. There's all sorts of nonsense about uh, a genome for the soul, an evil chromosome. I've just written genetics nonsense. It is genetics nonsense. (laughs) It's too much exposition, far too late in the film for anybody to care. Most of these things, most of the characters have already died. Most of the monsters have already been killed or, you know, decapitated, maimed. And it's at this point she chooses to say, well, I've got a theory. I don't care about your theory. It's, the film's nearly over. Like, what are you just still doing here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is what, what... Just try and survive. <laughs> <laughs> I guess our final direct rip-off of Predator, in this instance, where The Rock says, if it breathes, kill it. Yeah. Come on. I feel bad for The Rock, because he's probably not trying to be on this sort but they're trying to make him be He's been, been given the lines and he knows... He's that. being force-fed absolute shit to, yeah. to regurgitate. Uh, yeah, if it breathes, kill it. Like, fuck off. I, I think the final 20 minutes of this film are really good. It takes a long time. We get this whole first-person sequence. It's, it's where Reaper has been um, attacked. He's about to die. And then Samantha's like, hang on, let me inject you with some shit. It probably will save your life, probably. So, right. <laughs> so he, he, she injects him and then he wakes up and all of a sudden we're in first person mode. This would have been good if the yeah. whole film had been like this. this. Yeah. yeah, Do more of this with ten minutes to spare. Yeah. So it's a whole first person, just like the games, just like you remember the games. Walking through corridors, blasting zombies, blasting demons. Some of the better effects in the film are saved yeah. until here as well. They switched to CGI for some of these aliens being exploded. And this was the exciting part of the film. Really <laughs> exciting. They could have done with a lot more of this <laughs> earlier on. Uh, we get this really cool version of um, Pinky, the guy in the wheelchair, is mutated into this monster as well. This big like mole rat looking thing. Still with the wheelchair hanging off his ass, which is quite funny. The whole battle with him. Yeah, this is just... I would say don't watch this film, but watch this bit on YouTube. Yeah. I also like the end here because The Rock just... The Rock's character takes a sudden villainous turn 
just all of a sudden yeah. goes fucking mad like Colonel Kurtz like he's just like his appearance changes yeah his appearance changes and he's like right we need to sweep this area and neutralise everybody you're going to kill everyone <laughs> whoa what's happened yeah. and he's like yeah our orders are to quarantine everybody neutralise everybody and everyone's like well I'm not going to do that and he's like well you're going to stand up to me I'm your commanding officer and he shoots the rookie kid in the throat and everyone's like whoa yeah. the rock has gone mad yeah. it was, it's pretty cool because when he was arrested he was an amazing bad guy not quite a guy that would shoot you in the throat <laughs> but certainly a, a, a shit talking heel when he was a wrestler so it was cool to see him play a bad guy yeah it comes down in the end to the rock you know, Reaper having a gunfight and they run out of bullets so they have a hand-to-hand fight. The Rock really starts like hulking up, starts to get sharp teeth, and his his hand starts like coming claws and stuff like that. He ends up getting kicked through the arc, so through the little blob, ends up in our world, and then Reaper chucks the grenade through and it blows him up. Reaper and his sister are just in a lift, riding back up, and we get a nice uh, a nice Nine Inch Nails remix over the credits, which I certainly prefer to rock set at the end of Mario Brothers. That was a lot better. And it's quite a fun little credit sequence where he's like shooting the names yeah like yeah. back to the first person shooter yeah we go back to the first person dynamic and we get a real cool Nine Inch song mm. so I was like ah oh, again I couldn't we have had more of this <laughs> in the film you know you just see the, right at the end you see the wasted potential what were your overall impressions of, of Doom Mark was uh, the first time watch for you was it yeah most of it was just like quite contrived very plotless one-dimensional. I didn't really make any notes because it was just the same kind of thing throughout. I made some very shorthand notes. Yeah. Extremely shorthand. Yeah. yeah. Got some quotes and some funny bits. <laughs> <laughs> this funny bit happens. This ludicrous bit happens. Yeah. 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 I really enjoyed a small section of the end, like the first-person shooter sequence. I thought it was great. Yeah. But it's just a shame that that was a small chunk of the film and it was outbalanced with a much larger chunk of uninteresting, plotless action film before that. If I feel like if it was more of this kind of running and gunning brutality throughout, then it would have been more uh, exciting. But just, they left it too late to bring that in. Yeah. (laughs) I just really wish that they hadn't tried to be other films so much. Exactly. And tried to have done their own thing. And tried to be a, a bit more faithful to the game. They were pretty faithful, to be fair to them, like, as much as you can expect. And I'm sure they didn't have a massive budget, but I mean, just like one monster at any time on screen versus like six or seven blokes with guns, that's not what Doom is. Yeah. Doom is one bloke against hundreds of demons running at him, and you, yeah. that's not sustainable for 90 minutes of film, mm-hmm. no. But I would have liked a bit more variation in the demons, we've really only got two different types, and just some like lazy zombie stuff. I would have liked to have had more hell happening, there was no real mention of hell. That's the law of the game, is that it's, it's not just that they're on Mars, it's that it's a portal to hell has opened up on Mars and it's spilling through and feel like there was a real threat to it. It doesn't pay to constantly remind your audience of films that are better than the film that you're making. Yeah. So to keep reminding people of Aliens and, and Predator is like, Joe, I'm going to go watch those films then, because yeah. they're just better. They're so much better. They're so iconic. And in a weird way, you know, the protagonists of Doom and of Duke Nukem and Wolfenstein they were all kind of inspired by Arnold Schwarzenegger and the action heroes of the 80s. And then in a strange full circle, they adapted those games into a film 
which apes those films. And it's like, it just it feels like quite a cycle of regurgitation that hasn't done this film any favours. I'd like to see them do another attempt at this with more of the, more of the first person stuff. If you had to save one of these films to your 32 megabyte memory card, <laughs> and if you had to wipe one off to make room, uh, which one would you save? Which one would you get rid of? I think I'd have to save Super Mario Brothers. Even though I didn't watch it as a child, it, it is more of a classic. It's got that more sort of fun element mm. to it, even though mm. it's crap. It's yeah. like, it's got four costumes in it, it's got Dennis Hopper, it's like a, it's a classic film. I feel like Doom was funny in the wrong ways. <laughs> kind of entertaining at the end, but um, it doesn't have the same classic feel as Super Mario Brothers does. And, yeah, I I agree. I think Super Mario Brothers had better intentions mm. of of creating something that was um, not necessarily based on the video game massively, but something different. Yeah. You can't say many. You can't think of that many films that are similar to Super Mario Brothers, whereas you can think of dozens of films that are similar to Doom. Yeah. That Doom is screaming at you. Yeah. Hey, have you seen that film Aliens? <laughs> this is a bit like that, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes it is. But Mario Brothers doesn't do that. It's like, you know, yeah, have you played these games? Good. You might recognise this from the games, you might not. <laughs> like it's it's a real mixed bag, Super Mario Brothers, but I think it's ambitious in in its ways. Mm. Um it was just misjudged and ill fated, but I think they had good ideas there and it just all smashed together in this kind of weird and wonderful shit film. And it is shit. I don't think they'll ever try another Super Mario Brothers movie. If they do, we'll review it. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, what's difficult for recommendations of these two films, obviously, if you want kind of the more cheesy um, type of video game movies, there's also Street Fighter the movie and Mortal Kombat, which we'll definitely review on a future episode. The two of the the, the other well-known adaptations from the uh, from the 90s. Um, if you want something like Doom, that's a bit trickier. I, what I would recommend is a film called Hardcore Henry that came out a couple of years ago. Mark, if you like the first-person aspect of Doom, this is a film where it's all in first-person. It's an action film about a, a guy called Henry who wakes up and he's been fitted with cyborg hands and stuff like that, and he's told to go on a mission, he's got to kill people, and it's all shot first-person. It's got parkour and like robots and evil Russians and stuff like that. It's an amazing film. And it's like that. those little two and a half minutes of the first person, it's that for an hour and a half. Yeah. And it doesn't get tired. It's just really fun. So yeah, yeah sounds good. I'll check that out. I would recommend that for you and for, for people listening. Like we said at the, the beginning of the show, the fact remains that it's 2018 and they still haven't made a good video game notation. Maybe it can't be done. As far as we're aware. As far as we're aware. If we're wrong, or if you think we're wrong, um, let us know and we'll, we'll look into it further. But to, to, to our experience in the films we've seen, we've never seen a genuinely good, not not good, bad, you know, just good video game adaptation. So maybe, maybe it can't be done. did put out uh, some posts on social media asking for your feedback on these films and we did get a few bits. I think, uh, Mark, you received a bit of feedback there. Who's been in touch? Yeah, so uh, Rory's been in touch about the last episode. He said that he liked that we covered Rikio, it's such a classic, and that he's going to check out uh, Fox's Omen on our podcast. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah, hope you enjoy that, Rory. (laughs) Let us know what you think of that as well. Um, When we announced that we were going to be doing Mario Brothers, he mentioned about how Yoshi looks like something out of Jurassic Park instead of how he should look. Yeah. Which we cut a few covers, which is good. How he should look is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, he mentioned that the Goombas are eight feet tall lizards. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, yeah, we talked about how uh, how silly that was. So uh, yeah, we agree. Uh, that was worth bringing up there. So. Yeah, I would say they're like frozen peas on an eight foot tall like bouncer from a nightclub. Yeah. And that, yeah, Yoshi, it looks like something out of Jurassic Park because they knew Jurassic Park was about to come out and they, they wanted to make sure they got a bit of that dinosaur action as well. Yeah, any more um, feedback? Uh, so Levi got in touch and um, I said we're going to be doing these two films. He said he thinks Doom is a good film. How dare we? Well, I think we've, okay. I think we've discussed that in detail. I mean, it depends what you think a good film is. I know, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with Levi. <laughs> we just watched it. <laughs> Um, it was pretty shocking. <laughs> Except the, the ending little sequence. Yeah, but, Depends but, what he means, eh? Yeah. And then he said, Super Mario Brothers is, well, it's certainly something. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, yeah, like we just said, it's um, ambitious. Maybe what he means. But yeah, a little bit more feedback. I've actually got a lot of feedback on these two movies, so I guess you guys have seen these ones or, or played the games and have something to say so also um, on Instagram one of our regular listeners What a Ranker got in touch and um, he asked uh, do you think Super Mario Brothers basically killed Bob Hoskins career <laughs> I don't recall him being in much of note afterwards and also follows that up asking would Hollywood just reject an actor based on one really bad film I don't think it killed his career but what I do think is that it haunted Bob Hoskins for the rest of his life yeah and I think when a good actor makes a bad film, it doesn't kill his career, but it, it kills a little bit of him <laughs> uh, or, or her. You know, it, it kills a little little bit of them inside. And um, on the same note, we had uh, on Twitter, uh, at Schlock Tactics, we had uh, our friends of the Bristol Bad Film Club get in touch. And um, he, he, he sends us a little excerpt of a uh, Q&A with The Guardian, which I think um, maybe might answer Liam's question as well. So Bob Hoskins was asked three questions. What is the worst job you've done? Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> what has been your biggest disappointment? Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> if you could edit your past, what would you change? I wouldn't do Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> and I don't think this was that long ago. I think this is in the mid-2000s he did this interview. This guy was just pissed off about this movie. Yeah. Years and years afterwards. It's a shame... It's quite sad that you keep that with you, but uh, you know it, it, he he was very disappointed with it. So it didn't kill his career for the rest of us, but it killed it for him yeah. in a sense. He probably lost a lot of his passion for acting. And, you know, prior to Super Mario Brothers, Bob Hoskins was quite a name. He had done Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is a huge film. Mm-hmm. He was the star of that, and then he was in Hook, Steven Spielberg's Hook, as well as uh, Smee. Big film as well, even though a supporting cast member. And then he did Mario Brothers after that, and then he wasn't in that much after that. He went back to TV work, and he wouldn't do much for the rest of his kind of life, really, other than that he had a bit of a resurgence in some of Shane Meadows' early films. But, yeah, I don't know. Do you think uh, one bad film can kill a, a, an actor's career? No? Quite possibly. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it shaved a couple of years of Bob Hoskins' life and the stress that he had to go through. When he... uh, can you think of any uh, any actors where you've seen them in like really shit films and you thought, oh, that's the end for them? The first thing that comes to mind is Sean Connery after he was Bond mm. in the 60s and early 70s when I saw Zardoz. I don't know how many people saw this film at the time, but... Uh, we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, it didn't really kill... Obviously, he came back after exactly, that, but yeah. he... Uh, 
he kind of struggling to get work, not being typecast as Bond. Happened to John Travolta as well. Yeah. Uh, had a lull, had a comeback. Matthew McConaughey, same sort of thing. Yeah. And then you get, we've talked about before, actors who, who win an Oscar and give up. Yeah. Nicholas Cage, Liam Neeson, Halle Berry. Sometimes all you've got to do is win that Oscar and then your standards just go through the floor yeah. and you'll do anything, you know, and that <laughs> happens to those people as well. But I guess some actors are bulletproof and some aren't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thanks to all those guys for uh, sending in their, their comments and, and questions and some good points raised there. Um, if you want to get in touch with us as well, of course, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, Schlock Tactics. Anytime you want to give us any feedback about any of the any of the episodes we've done, any of the films we've done or, or we're going to do, or any you think we should do, then, then drop us uh, a comment on all of those places. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast as well. We've released new episodes twice a month, and if you are subscribed, you'll be the first to know about those. And uh, if you could leave us a five-star rating on iTunes as well, we would appreciate that. We are five-star rated, so help us to, to keep that going. And that has been another episode of Schlock Tactics. My name has been Ash, and I've been joined by Mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.